0: This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. My guest today is Bjorn Thorlifsson. He's the head of research and insights at Amp Sound Branding, a WPP company. He's a consumer behaviorist with an educational background in psychology and sound engineering. Today, we'll be focusing on how music and sound can be used to affect people's consumption. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: In marketing, we often talk about the importance of video, and because people often discover things on social media, marketers are told that they need to make their videos work without sound, because a lot of scrolling happens without the sound turned on. So given this, why is it important for marketers and brands to still think about sound and sonic branding?
1: Well, we have five senses, and sensor marketing is becoming more and more important thanks to technology such as smart speakers, And of course, like things like TikTok, where it's very much a sound on platform. And Mm -hmm. what we're seeing is brands are starting to think more about sound in a holistic way, not just campaign driven, but think about how they can create brand equity through the use of sound, whether that is to evoke trust with your payment sound, or if it is to engage customers in a emotional way. And sound is unique in the way of it can really affect us an emotional level much quicker than, for example, visuals. It's That's like bad. a highway to our emotions.
0: That's really interesting. Are there cross-cultural universals in that? For instance, if you hear strings, does it always evoke the same thing in people? Is that a, a culture-blind way to, to affect Yeah, people? so
1: a lot of musicologists have looked at the impact of music and how it affects different cultures. And... What was in the 50s, 60s and 70s described as a Western music has now become so universal that what was in the 50s described as Western music could now be, say, worldwide music. And it is impacting us in the same way. So music and the way it's used, if it's not very culturally specific, it should affect us in the same way.
0: Are sonic branding and sound separate things? I mean, it sounds like, yes, they are. Like the way you, you think about sound, there is a range of ways you should think about sound. How would you define sonic branding?
1: Well, sonic branding is helping companies and brands use music and sound in the most beneficial way to them. Meaning that with your eyes closed, you know what brand you're dealing with. Of course, this takes time Because building those memory structures isn't instant. Like you can see a logo and you read and you know, okay, this is the brand. But it takes a little bit longer time to build those memory structures for sound. But because of that, it also has a way of being kind of subliminal. So before you know it uh, consciously, you already know the brand subconsciously.
0: When I think of successful sonic branding, I think of entertainment branding. I worked in that space, so that could be why Mm -hmm. the old HBO static or for American audiences, the da-dung sound that was associated with law and order. In fact, when I had an agency, we built a whole campaign around that sound. What we did is Mm -hmm. we the talent didn't know what was, we said, we're going to play something, we're going to react. And we played the sound and we got wonderful, authentic reactions. Like, what is that? What does it mean? And, and built this whole campaign spot around it. But other than McDonald's, I have a hard time thinking just sitting here of consumer brands that have similar sound association. Can you share some current examples? I'm sure they're out there. I just, they aren't, coming into my mind right now that's that subliminal piece probably so what would be some in your work that you would say these are some successful sonic brands
1: well i'm not gonna sing for you (laughs) uh, i could whistle no for example old spice
0: oh right Okay.
1: okay the old spice sonic logo has become a viral thing on tiktok where people have started incorporated in a fun way in their own videos And if a sonic branding strategy is done well, and it's ownable, you can, for the brand, you can still share it with the community. And before you know it, the users of TikTok or Instagram or whatever platform will rise up next will become sonic branding ambassadors to an extent.
0: So that doesn't delete it, or not delete, I mean, dilute is what I meant to say. One of the things that I know, again, speaking from entertainment, is a lot of companies have a hard time releasing their IP to consumers. Are clients okay with releasing their sound to be used by others? I've just had so many clients not want to share their visual IP, their story IP, Mm -hmm. and they clutch so hard. Has it been easier to, to say, it's okay? are are they more game to do that?
1: Yes, I think because music can create a sense of community.
0: Oh, so, right. So okay. for
1: for example, since we started working with our client, their YouTube channel has been bombarded with who is this track? Who did that? I need more than these 30 seconds, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Like really engaging of but of course they came to that video not because of the music became to it because they like our client
0: that is so cool
1: and they're delivering something that is so easy for the brand to deliver to their consumers or fanboys another example is mastercard they released an album so you can find (laughs) the priceless album on, on spotify because they have the copyright and they own it they can share it with artists it doesn't necessarily just have to be the consumers themselves but they rather than piggyback on pop culture in terms of licensed music, they can be a part of it. And MasterCard, they collaborated with a pop duo called Domino Saints from Puerto Rico. And they created a track which was then released on the radio in Men's number one in seven Latin countries. Then it became part of the it was the theme song for the Copa America Feminina in football.
0: Wow, that's amazing so what's in what's out when we're thinking about sonic branding is it any sound i mean you mentioned very interestingly you said the sound when we make a payment makes us feel secure. I think that's fascinating. I didn't even think of that as a a part of my user experience, that when I pay something, it gives a sound that makes me feel good. What other holistic experiential parts are there to this? Well, it depends on the brand and where their
1: sonic touch points are, because each brand has different sonic touch points. Of course, Do they
0: define them or are there obvious ones? I mean, what would be, is it any, is it where you interact with the customer? What is a sonic touchpoint? How should you flag them?
1: Yeah, you should think about wherever your brand makes sound. Hold music. That is often a very overlooked part of sonic branding because there's nothing more irritating than being on hold. And most people are calling a hotline because they're already irritated by someone. Mm -hmm. Like, are they going to call you because they're so happy with your service and give you a high five? (laughs) Probably not. What they are going to be doing is they already have a complaint. And then if you have the same 30 second loop going over and over again, it will actually make you think that you're on hold longer than you really are.
0: If you're thinking about hold music because you have a background in psychology and sound engineering is there a time frame it should like the loop should be never shorter than
1: basically now also with capabilities of AI music you could even have a never looping music oh there are possibilities that you can have it so that of course you can going uh, have stops in the middle where it's telling you you're number five in line and then some time passes and you're number four but the music can be almost continuous. Uh, Oh, like
0: variations on a theme. Variations
1: on a theme, or you don't need to have a composer write like to our track. You can, if a brand has melodies that are owned by the brand, the AI can then incorporate those things into a new track, which could be used on. And this goes also like segue here and go into AI and music. This also has the opportunity of stopping to use stock music, because stock music also has uh, other problems, because any can use that. Same as if we were talking about the problem with allowing users to use your sound identity. Could say that if a brand is using stock music, they also have no control over who is using the music you might have a competitor brand or you might have a brand that you don't definitely don't want to be associated with using the same music
0: right when i think about a brand identity there there are generally a visual brand identity there are component parts which a lot of people are familiar with so Mm -hmm. it sounds what would go what would be in a sonic identity and if i'm the marketer and i'm present i'm either reviewing a bid from a vendor or i'm presenting it up the chain to leadership how do i talk about some of these things what are the component parts and how do i explain how they work together what is the i mean i guess that's a huge question but i guess let's first start with what what's in what if you were pitching a basic sonic identity what should be included
1: well i will take a step back and talk to them about James Bond. And now you might be asking, what has James Bond to do with sonic branding? James Bond is maybe the best example of a flexible sonic identity that happened to be created almost randomly. In, in terms of that, it was never meant to be a sonic identity, but has throughout history become a sonic identity. And what do I mean by that? James Bond, in all the movies, and also in the James Bond songs, uses certain ingredients. So what do I mean by ingredient? The sonic DNA of James Bond has brand melodies. They have the brand sound chords, and they have also brand sounds, as in like instrumentation. And of course, they have the riffs. And for a brand, they can have the same things as well as brand voice and certain brand voice attributes, like if you think about Marge Simpson from The Simpsons, her voice no matter if you're watching The Simpsons in French, Icelandic or English, Fox has made it very clear that her voice, in no matter what language it's being dubbed in, needs to be this raspy voice. And if you have all these ingredients, brand melodies, brand sounds, brand riffs, you can mix and, mix and match based upon what you are trying to achieve what kind of emotions you're trying to evoke or if it's a UX, UI sound, this is a sound logo. So you don't need to use or think of so- sound identity or sonic identity as just one track. That is very much like the early 2000s corporate jingle. Mm-hmm. If you go back in the 90s, it was all about having a sonic logo. A sonic mm-hmm. identity needs to be more holistic and more flexible to fit all the modern touch points. Touch points that are growing by... Year by year.
0: But it's still ownable. It's still still recognizably yours because I think of the James Bond piece. All right, now here is a kind of a practical question, which is I know when showing rough cuts to clients, Mm -hmm. if I do cut downs of potential tracks, music tracks that might work with their spot, a lot of them have a hard time. They can't imagine up- to the whole thing so I need to put some picture against that tracks so they understand how it all works together for them to pick because they they don't necessarily understand they can't make that leap unless they have it made somewhat concrete so if you are in marketing and you're you've bought in you agree you understand that it's these underlying rifts and things that you recombine you still how you sell it up to leadership do you have to you have to give examples or are there, is there ways you speak about it if somebody doesn't understand music will they understand melody will they understand these things what have you found in your practice
1: well people tend to love music and we all have our preferences but what we do here at amp where i work is that we try to take the subjectivity out of it so we do a lot of market research we have ai tools that are capable of distinguishing different emotions from a musical track so when it comes to selecting a specific sonic identity of a brand we're not dealing with the gut feeling of the CM. okay what we are doing is showing them maybe two or three options and saying these two are more on brand, well, this third option has maybe better brand recall. So we are making sure that they are coming into the conversation, not thinking, oh, God, my personal preferences are going to impact this. Of course, it can to some extent, but mm-hmm. at least the stakeholders will have numbers to back up the decision
0: so if they then take it to their leadership and say through research we know that these sounds correlate highly with trust or exactly so do you test everything before how do you how can you give them those stats is it that you you understand the is it based on the notes is it based on a certain you test certain types of melodies what is it that links what is it that you're testing And how does that link to emotion or behavior? Yes.
1: So we test everything. And there are also now market research companies that only deal with sound or like really specialized in testing audio, where that is they can test audio ads, even podcasts. What we do is obviously focused on sound and music so the initial step is to put everything into our ai tool it's called sonic check and there we can be certain of emotional fit to the brand so if they want to be happy and energizing we can see okay these two tracks are on uh, brand and maybe one is not then we can go back to our composers and say this is not scoring really well can you make some adjustments? I Once see. we have done that, then we do market research with people mm. to make sure that what the AI is yes. indicating is actually correct. Because AI, as any technology, needs to be taken with a grain of salt. Our tool has been bought on hundreds and thousands of musical tracks, which mm. were analyzed by people in terms of what emotions they evoke. But then we have also... Got in a data set of commercials and music to see how it is engaging over time. So we can see that get an estimate from the AI before we take it to the people. And then of course, before we take it to the CMOs or so whatever, whatever stakeholders.
0: One of the, well, I've got two questions and they're not entirely related. So I'll do one. And then the other, the first is you can sometimes be so good that you become identified with the category like Xerox or Kleenex being mm-hmm. photocopiers or facial tissue. Is there any, like if you're the first one in a category to develop a sonic identity is there a risk that it becomes all the in the consumer mind you've just this is computing or this is banking this is the sound of banking is there risk of that and and yes. how do you prevent that
1: and there's a very good example the sonic logo of intel often considered the holy grail of sonic branding but what we're now seeing there is a problem with intel and the Sonic logo due to the fact that people are not watching linear TV and there is brand confusion. I was actually just speaking to young students at a university and I played the Intel Sonic logo and asked them, what is this? Half the people said Dell, Microsoft, HP. Right.
0: So they, they understood the category, but they didn't. Exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. And so that what should all... Intel do? Should they well, change or what should they do? How can they make it more linked with them? Well.
1: It was brilliant for the 90s, their strategy in terms of because they have a product which is inside another right. product. And that's why it's Intel Intel inside.
0: inside. Right, right.
1: And that worked when you had uh, linear TV where people watched the commercial from the beginning to the end. But if you think about the limitations of that is that now... People skip an ad after five seconds on YouTube or they are doing something else while they're watching TV. There are like many reasons why a Sonic logo is not enough. But if if they would expand on what they already have created, so rather than just having a Sonic logo and they would think of it more as a Sonic DNA... Where uh-huh. that was just one ingredient of a big chrysonic identity. So that five note melody would have maybe a counter melody, it would have a riff and it would have a chord progression. Then Intel, when it would be advertising, they could use their ingredients throughout the commercial, not just at the very uh, end. Right. But right. still, then of course, have the Intel inside strategy if they're working with Dell that could potentially help them.
0: That's that's really interesting. And it actually does relate to my next question. So isn't that convenient? Which has to do with rebranding and brand refreshes, logo updates. Those are things that are done in visual branding. So you've built something, should you be refreshing it or just expanding upon it? Do you change it? You mentioned it takes time to build that. Can you change it? I mean, or should you just do riffs on it?
1: Yeah, so if you want to supercharge how well consumers know your Sonic logo, you should not immediately have it in many different versions because I see. that's going to slow the uptake. Mm-hmm. But if you think about what McDonald's did, they, for the longest time, had the notes and then I'm loving it at the end. Then mm-hmm. they dropped there, I'm loving it. And then they started having variations when they felt like it was well enough known. So now mm. they have Brian Cox humming it, they have the Minions singing it. Right. And that is possible once you have established well enough the melody. But of course, that depends on your priorities because there might be also instances where a brand is less concerned about the band melody and more about the storytelling, and the Sonic logo needs to fit the storytelling at the end.
0: Right. You had mentioned about the time factor. How many exposures to a Sonic logo do you feel people need to get in order to start to recall it? That is a very hard question. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe there isn't a clear answer. Maybe it's in a range or in a, it's situational. Do you have any general thoughts around that?
1: Well, we, we, we saw that in the first year of MasterCard, 42% of consumers had already learned the main melody of MasterCard within the United States. Oh, 42% is pretty good in within one year. But of course, McDonald's is probably known by 90% or actually probably 100 But that is through time. Right. So depending on your marketing budget and what kind of campaigns you're doing, you need to think about how you are putting your sonic identity out there. And
0: and also in terms of how you talk about it with leadership, if you're doing this investment, you're hiring a firm to do this, it's a slower burn. But is it more durable doing these sound-based things?
1: It is very durable. I mean, we think about Old Spice, you know, that was made in the 80s. Burger King is bringing back a jingle from the 70s. There are a few instances of where brands have brought something back after decades. And it's because music is so easily ingrained in people's memories that you can slowly think that you're losing something. But then if you bring it back, people are like, oh, that beautiful jingle. Is that
0: that nostalgia? Is that also a trigger into the the psychology of nostalgia with that or is it separate?
1: It it has. But of course, then you can start creating new memories with new consumers like younger generations. And that's why you need to also have a flexible identity then that can be changed to a genre. Like if it was an old jingle from the 70s, like Burger King, like maybe that's not going to resonate with a Gen Z. Mm. But it needs to be flexible enough that it can be changed into whatever genre there is. And we talk about this longevity of sonic branding. I often think about my own childhood. So I grew up in Iceland and the first Icelandic era I was exposed to was actually from a commercial. This Mm. advertisement was an old man calling a taxi, and he rapped the number. film after film As a kid, I thought it was the most amazing, funny commercial ever. But that didn't really pay dividends for the taxi company from my side until I was 18 or 19 and was able to start partying. Because what did I do when I started to need to call a taxi? That's the
0: number you knew.
1: <laughs> Maybe I was a little bit tipsy, and of course... I had to just wrap the number.
0: Right. Right. Oh, that's interesting. So 10 years later,
1: it was paying dividends
0: as long as they're still in business. It works for sure. Exactly. So let's say speaking of a taxi company, a small brand, I have a limited budget. Where should I start?
1: Well, that depends on in what sector you are. For example, if you are in a tech sector, you should think about UX UI sounds. Slack now uses their standard notification sound as their Sonic logo and before. Before you know it, you, they might become so big that it becomes synonymous with not just the brand but productivity. Apple uses their UI sounds in all their commercials because they don't have a sonic logo. And not every brand needs a sonic logo or or like a music track. What is important is that you, as a brand marketeer, think about what are the touch points where my brand is heard, and as a small brand, where is it making the most impact? So if you are starting a neat little brand or tech brand to help with efficiency and communication, then notification sound is obviously crucial.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to take us through how to think about sound and what it can do. Thank you.
1: It's an absolute pleasure.
0: We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Nott and the voice artist who recorded our open. And of course, all of you, the members of our audience. Thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.